Welcome to Roman Emperor's Hotelus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the presidents. No, all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is episode 117, Michael II. Ooh, exciting. It is exciting. We get to find out what happened after the last episode. Yes. With the crazy death with the cross. Christmas. And in chains. And, oh. Yeah. Yeah, he's been let off, wasn't he? He'd been caught and everything. Yeah. And I'm sure he had nothing to do with it. Well, we get to see this week. We and will. how he suddenly became emperor the next minute, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we get to we get to do that. Right, you ready? Uh, go for it. Go. Obviously, we want to continue with the story from last time. But you're not going to do that, are you? No, right? because obviously we need to go over his early life for a bit. Of course, all the fun stuff. All the fun stuff. But then, then we catch up soon, don't worry. Go on, get through Here we go, right. You ready? Yeah. It was a cold, blustery evening. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's made up. I don't know. Uh, in 770, in the city of Amorium, which is uh, central Anatolia, central modern-day Turkey, so that's where we are. The thinking face. You've had a thought. I'm trying. I don't want to say it until I remember it. <laughs> no, I've forgotten it. Ah, oh, damn it! You know that Amore song they do. <laughs> like just people singing that Amorium song. Yeah, it's just lots of people. It would have been so much better if I remembered it. <laughs> it would have been. If you're listening, just imagine Jamie just started singing that song flawlessly. <clears throat> And, uh, yeah, the one they sing on in, in Venice. Yeah, I'll edit it in. We'll oh, cheers. It I'll edit Thank it you. in. Wonderful. Yeah. Right. You haven't edited it in, have you? No. I sound stupid now. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> you promise it every episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so just imagine one of those. Uh, but maybe the city was full of canals. Maybe it was. Yeah. I don't know. Let's say it is. Mor- Morium. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Yeah. Maybe Michael was born... On one of those little barges. Canal boats. No, what are they called? Those little boats. See, it's frustrating, isn't it? We can't remember <laughs> names. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, oh. Venetian boats. <laughs> I'm sure people are so glad they've tuned into this. <laughs> These guys Quality really know what they're talking about. <laughs> you can tell they're hitting a million because they don't care. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, anyway, he was born in the city in one of those small little Venice boats. He was born into the Athingani. What? I think I'm saying that correctly. Athingani religion. Right. Yeah, now the Athingani were a sect that seemed to merge Judaism and Christianity together. So it's like a different form of a, a Judeo-Christian religion. Uh, they baptised people, but they didn't perform circumcisions. Uh, and they followed lots of Jewish traditions, but some Christian ones. They basically sat down and went, right, what's the fun part? <laughs> the <laughs> wine, we'll keep that. We'll keep the wine, that sounds good. Um, what about the chopping? Uh, no! we get rid of that. No. <laughs> uh, so, um, his family, as far as we can tell, were no one special. We know that he had a tutor when he was young. That's good detail. Yeah, uh, but according to Stylitzes, he learnt, and I quote... Nothing pure. <laughs> Teacher smuggling him in softcore pornography and magazines under a coat. Yes. Well, well, have a look at this. Check out her, eh? 
So, despite learning nothing pure, he did show a few talents early on. Now, every time I, I look into a new person, which I do every week, be it an American president or a Roman emperor or, or someone s- from the Roman Republic... Or somebody walking down the street. <laughs> or someone walking down the street. Uh, every now and again, something weird comes up and you just think, what? What? That's weird. And this is one of these things. Apparently, Michael was good with animals. Okay. Yeah. We've got no details of his early life at all, apart from this, which he was very good with animals. Do you want to know how good he was with animals? Go on, how good was he? Here's a list of things he could do. Flea circus. Yes, flea circus. He was said to be able to predict which pigs would grow strong and those that would soon fall to adversary. Pigs of war? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That pig's going to grow strong. That one's going to die soon because I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Get it cured. (laughs) The next one in the list. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. There's a a whole list of these. Oh, yeah. Number two is actually my favourite. So here here we go. He could, and I quote, stand next to a kicking horse. What unholy power is that? (laughs) I can only assume that means successfully without being kicked because he could calm the horse. Mm. Because Anyone can stand next to a kicking horse. Yeah, not for very long. No, no. And he probably didn't. <laughs> he stood next to the horse for almost half a second. <laughs> now he's lying next to that horse. Michael? Michael? Thrax could stand next to a kicking horse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> horse would just kick him in the chest and the leg would just shatter. <laughs> Thrax would just go on drinking his tea. He's not even noticed. The, the, the water in the tea didn't even judge. There wasn't even no. a ripple. <laughs> Yeah, so that's number two. <laughs> so is Michael just putting himself in really dangerous situations with animals? <laughs> like well, Ray Mears? Quite possibly, because Ray this Mears? is the third one. Uh, no, who do you mean? Uh, Steve Irwin? Uh, Steve Irwin, yes. Ste- yes, yes, maybe Steve he was the Steve Irwin. He picked up kicking horses with sticks. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing this, guys. You really shouldn't. If you see one of these in the wild, <laughs> Um, well, the next one on the list, number three, he could, and I quote, retrain a kicking mule from far away. <laughs> Maybe he's learned from the previous one. Yes! <laughs> Stop kicking! <laughs> oh, he's done it. Oy. Impressive. <laughs> next, he could tell by looking at a horse whether it would flee from battle. Just by looking. The horse had a cowardly look about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, yes, that one has a yellow belly. It doesn't say how much in advance, maybe. I was going to say, yeah. That horse is running away from the battle. Yep, that's one of the ones that would flee, then. <laughs> yeah. Um, next. Last one here. I do like this one. He could tell a lamb and tell which sheep it came from just by appearance. As it was coming out? or <laughs> Again, it doesn't give a time scale, does yeah. it? <laughs> Uh, but no, apparently he could just look at a field of sheep and go, that sheep belongs to, to that one over there. To be fair, the sheep can't argue back and say, no, actually, no, <laughs> yeah. no. Just a really shifty looking sheep going, never seen that lamb before in my life. Me. No idea. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. And I'll quote here. Such then were the skills in which he gloried, not only in his youth, but it must be said... Towards the end of his life, too. So so when he was emperor, he was still going off to fields and pointing at sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Shouting at mules and uh, threatening pigs. Oh, that's... 
really odd. It's really odd because, like I say, we don't really have anything about his early life at all. And no. Yet, so he obviously really impressed people with his um, animal knowledge. Don't quite know what to say. It's just, what? Yeah, like I say, one of these things where every now and again when I'm researching, I just go, that's weird. <laughs> but again, isn't it nice to have some details again? Yeah. Yeah, so there but, we go. Do you, do you think he put his talents to, like, you know, like you get the the army? Because I'm guessing he's going to join the army. It's more he's been in the army. Yeah. And they're all, all the soldiers are cutting the trim of their toenails. Yeah. He can tell whose toe each nail came from. Does it work with humans, his talents? Humans are animals too. That's true. <laughs> Maybe he could go around the city just pointing at children and going... That's not really your child. <laughs> a useful skill. Yeah, yeah. Lots of really angry husband and wives. Yeah. Anyway, so he spent his childhood playing with animals, shall we say. By the time he achieved manhood, and I'm quoting here, persistent poverty was his lot, but he left no stone unturned in his attempts to remedy this situation. Try to get cash, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what do you do? You're young, you don't belong to an important family, you need to make something of yourself in life. Join the army. And? Rise through the ranks. Oh yes, that's exactly what he did, playing his guitar as he did say. Then we get a bit of an unusual story. Presumably this is a bit of a mix-up, but I've kept it in anyway. Good. Uh, Apparently he was noticed by Badanis, who was leading the army that he joined. Right. Michael reported to him at one point. As, as was his job, and stammered as he did so. Another man who was with them told Badanis that this young stammering soldier was destined to become famous and eventually gain the throne, along with another man who was there, not named but presumably Leo. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? This is the story where they well, climbed... No, the apparently it's not, because I oh. assumed that's what it was. It's like, yeah. oh, they're retelling that story in a slightly different way. But Stylitzes then goes on to talk about the monk in a cave up a pole, explicitly saying that this was a different occasion. But it really does seem to be the same story to me. So he was either prophesied to be emperor twice, Ooh. or the stories have just been a bit mixed up. Do you think that prophecy will come true? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So there you go. I'm, I'm going to say that this is the same story and they've just got a bit mixed up. So I'm, I'm going to go with that narrative. After 1,500 years, that's bound to happen, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So the whole monk in a cave up a pole thing happens again. But this time we get a little bit extra. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So do do the whole scene. Badani's stormed out, fallen down. They've all gone back in. Yeah. They've all chatted. Thomas has uh, called his mom. No! <laughs> <laughs> All that's happened, and then they all leave, and Badani's gets thinking. They're riding away. Yeah. Clip-clop, clip-clop, clip-clop. Clip-clop. The the cave up a pole's getting smaller in the distance. Yeah. As it's fallen now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If Leo and Michael, these two young men who are following him around, uh, if they're going to be emperors, best tie himself to them, he thinks. Makes sense. So he invites them both to dinner. Ooh. Not to literally tie them to him. That would be weird. No. Fetch the Velcro. <laughs> Halfway through the dinner, he proposes that they marry his daughters. Apparently, Michael was quite shocked by this, but accepted, and married Thecla, Badani's daughter. Thecla. Thecla. Yeah, that's a good name. Um, Leo might have married the daughter of Badani's. It's really unclear, this part. It's a bit strange. Um, but apparently Michael definitely does ma- marry Thecla. Oh. So we're, we're almost certain about that. So, how, how annoying do you think Thomas is at this point? <laughs> I want a wife! 
all I've got is my horrible, horrible death. <laughs> However, not long after this, as we've seen, Michael and Leo abandon Badani's rebellion against Nikephoros, mm. and they defect. Again, Thomas feeling really annoyed. What the hell? So, like Leo, Michael was given a higher position in court. As a reward, Nikephoros and Starachius then both die after fighting Krom, as we've seen several times mm. now. And Michael number one becomes emperor. Now, by this point, it would appear that Michael was in the Anatolic theme, back in his home city, Amorium. Yeah. Amorium's the capital of the Anatolic theme. Now, either he's moved back home, uh, richer and with his new wife, and was administering his duties from there, or he was working for Leo. It's not really clear. Okay. All we know is that Leo and Michael are together. Yeah. Leo is commanding the troops in the region. They become close enough that when Michael and Thecla have a son called Theophilos, Leo becomes the godfather. Oh. So, Bezzy mates. And you might want to box that name there. Theophilus. Theophilus, yes. Ooh, okay. Done. Good, good. Good boxing. Thank I you. like it. Then, Leo is called West, and Michael goes with him. Michael I is going to defeat Krom, he said confidently. As we've seen a couple of times, however, this does not go well, and Leo's wing of the army deserts, leaving victory for Krom. Now, Michael's not actually mentioned, but he must have been there in the battle. Yeah. yeah because he was there in the aftermath where he is mentioned. Yeah. So, presumably, he was working with Leo in the wing that collapsed. He's tending to the horses. Exactly. He was telling off all those horses that he could tell were going to flee. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself for thinking such things. Nay. You were going to flee, weren't you? Nay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't deny it. <laughs> so yeah, after the battle and everything collapses and Michael I is retreating to Constantinople, Leo's debating with himself whether to declare himself emperor. And if you remember from last time, Michael apparently at this point threatens Leo to hit him with his sword unless Leo declares himself emperor. If you don't become emperor, I don't become emperor. Possibly, yeah. But like I said last time, this was probably a show of reluctance yeah. for the troops' benefit. Yeah, here. of course. Yeah. So, thanks to Michael's pushing and the show, Leo decides to go for it. He is declared emperor, and the two head to the capital at the front of an army. En route, they discover that Michael I has abdicated. Leo has his victorious entry into the capital. If you remember, a purple cloak is put onto him. Yep. It's amazing but how they find these purple cloaks. Hanging around all over the place. Yeah. But then, walking into the palace, Michael accidentally steps on the cloak. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that's probably right there when the relationship between them starts to deteriorate. Brand new cloak. Possibly. Exactly. And we don't really know why their relationship seems to break down. Oh. I do like the idea that it is as petty as the cloak. <laughs> I think so. But who knows? What we do know is Michael starts building up a faction around him and saying things to them along the lines of, I'd be able to rule much better than Leo, in a very loud voice. According to Stylitzes, he was, and I quote, especially incapable of disciplining his tongue, the very member which is capable of divulging the secrets one hides within their hearts. Oh dear. You get the impression Michael liked to drink or two and was a bit of a blabbermouth. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. starting to feel that. At one point, Michael was accused of treason. We don't have any details. All we know is that he was found to be innocent. Good. He clears his name. However, Leo seems to be a little bit dubious of him after this point. He puts him in charge of training troops. A uh, bit of a demotion for him. However, this near miss did not stop Michael, and he starts talking again, once more moaning about how the Empire was being run. That stupid Leo. 
I could definitely do this better. He can't even tell when a hedgehog's about to befriend a goat. On the third Sunday of July. Yeah, he's got no skills. This time, however, he was talking to the wrong person. Because he was talking to a spy. <laughs> talking to Leo himself? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Over lunch. I hate you. Michael's just a bit drunk and doesn't realise. <laughs> yeah. it, it's Leo in a Jesus the suit maker moustache. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of them hanging around at the yeah. moment. <laughs> just got to be careful if you take one off one of the statues. Like. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Cover it up. <laughs> Hide the shame. <laughs> so, Michael was arrested and put on trial once more. This time on Christmas Eve. See, we're catching up. And this time he was found guilty and he confessed to treason. And as we have seen, Leo ordered that Michael be thrown into the furnace that heated the bathhouse. That's pretty harsh. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? I don't know why. I think I've become desensitised to burnings, chopping off noses. Throwing into a furnace is new, so it just seems slightly more sinister. Or exciting. (laughs) But... This doesn't happen because Leo's wife stopped him. Now, remember, there is a chance that Leo's wife is the sister of Thecla, if they're both the daughter of Badani's. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like that's likely, because we're fairly sure that Leo's wife wasn't the daughter of Badani's. But who knows? At the very least, I imagine the families were close, so that's probably why. So Michael instead was put into leg irons and taken to the prison of the palace. And now, instead of following Leo, we get to follow Michael and find out what happens. Nice. So... Michael does not go along to the prison. He's an important person, after all. So he was able to take one of his attendants with him. Probably a young man who'd looked after his socks and things. Yeah. Michael arrived in a room with a bed and the keeper of the keys. (gasps) Simon! Yeah. He's in charge of the prison, basically. Nice. Michael, being an important man, the keeper of the keys decides to stay with Michael to make sure nothing goes wrong. The Emperor's in a bad mood. Yeah. He wanted this guy dead, but now he doesn't. Let's just keep him here safe. However, several hours later, the door was unlocked. Then opened. Then footsteps. The attendant, scared, had already hidden under the bed. So now go under the bed with him. Is that the sound effect for going under the bed? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> just... oh, and there, there we go. Look at my shoulder. Oh. <laughs> so, the view you've got, you're now under a bed, and all you can see is a pair of shoes walk into the room. You can't see the face of this person. No. So you don't know who it is, but do you? Because those shoes are purple. So the attendant knows there's only one person who wears this colour shoe. So only one person wears shoes that ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've got stars on them and they're those ones that have got a light band across oh, the bottom. Oh, every time yeah. he paces it flashes. Yeah, but several of the bulbs are gone. Oh, even oh Yeah, that's it's just not sad. Good. They've got those little rolly things in the heel so we can go around supermarkets and gliding. <laughs> it's yes. what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the emperor comes Gating in, flashing along the floor. Then, the attendant was horrified by what he heard. The Emperor was muttering to himself that he was going to execute Michael anyway, as soon as possible. (gasps) And then, the Keeper of the Keys would also be killed. And then, the Emperor leaves the room, muttering and shaking his fist. I don't believe this. 
well, well, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) The attendant then came out of his hiding place. He awoke his master and told him what he had heard. The keeper of the keys was also awoken and learnt of his fate. Poor Simon, what's he done? He's been responsible for the sacking of the city a couple of times. Yeah, but... <laughs> those, those gates have been thrown open <laughs> suspiciously a couple of times in the past. Very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like you say, this story is, is a bit weird, isn't it? Mm. It is. I can't help but think that if the story is even remotely true, this last bit about Leo talking about the Keeper of the Keys must have been made up. Yeah. By Michael. It makes no sense that Leo was angry at the Keeper of the Keys. No. It seems far more likely that the attendant woke up Michael, told him that Leo had let slip he was going to execute Michael, and then Michael comes up with the idea of telling the Keeper of the Keys that he was in danger as well in order to get him on side. Yeah. Because you, you would. Yeah. You would just wake him up and say, oh, the Emperor came in and said he was going to kill me, because Simon would just go, yeah. I? <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> but if... Michael wakes you up and tells you, ah, the Emperor just came in and he said he's going to kill you, caught you napping on the job. You'd start thinking about your allegiances, wouldn't you? Well, you would, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, however it happened, apparently the Keeper of the Keys was not willing to be dragged down alone, and he told some of his staff that they were also in trouble. <laughs> some good letting it roll downhill there. <laughs> the Emperor came in and he was very angry that you were sleeping, Simon. <gasps> Storms out, points at two work-experienced boys. Oh. You there! Why'd you let me get to sleep? The the Emperor's very angry at you. Yes, work it down. Yeah. <laughs> they go back to the kitchen. You there! <laughs> well, I quote, Greatly perturbed and almost beside themselves at what they had heard, the palace keeper's staff puzzled their brains of how to escape from this danger. So, somehow, however true this story is, Michael's managed to get the people looking after him to turn on Leo. They're now convinced that Leo's going to kill them all. So he's got his prison guard on his side. Yeah. That's useful. Apparently, day was breaking when finally a plan was concocted. The Keeper of the Keys sent word to Leo that Michael wanted to confess his sins before he died. A young man was sent for, someone loyal to Michael. This young man entered Michael's prison, and Michael quickly conveyed the plan, and again I quote, Now is the hour, Theoctitos, He struggled with the name. It's a hard name. He called him Theo in the end. Theoctistos? Theoctistos. 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 He said. Yeah. After Theoctistos. Theoctistos. Yeah. He said his own name slightly hurt. Theoctistos. You know that. We grew up together. I'll call you Theo, young man. Now is the hour, Theo. Threaten the conspirators that unless they make haste to get me out of this danger, I am going to reveal the whole business to the Emperor. It turns out that Michael's not just been talking idly when he's been saying things like, I'd be a better Emperor than Leo. He's actually been talking about assassination plans. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... He sends word to these people he's been talking with and essentially says, look, get me out of this mess or I will talk to Leo and say you were in on it as well. Ooh. Fair play. (laughs) Dastardly, but well done. (laughs) Good move. So kill him or I name names. Now, it would appear that the plan so far was to assassinate the Emperor... Uh, but the hows, the details, the minutiae had not mm. actually been sorted out yet. 
There's probably lots of meetings where people like slam their fists on the table and said, damn it, we need to get rid of him. But then he'd had one or two drinks and we'll yeah. figure out the details later. Yeah, we'll sort it out. Yeah. Death the Emperor! Uh, so, unfortunately, when all these people suddenly get a message, Michael says, kill the Emperor by the end of today or he will name your name. Uh, there isn't actually a plan in place. Okay. Well, it's remarkably done. Well, a very frantic Christmas day is then spent by those people <laughs> who were close to Michael. Probably not how they're imagining their Christmas to go. No, they're, they're pleasant still wrapped up under the tree. Yeah. Ch- children. Daddy, all I wanted to do was to spend my day with you. Shut up, Timmy. I need to kill the emperor. I mean, <laughs> go to church. I'm under a lot of pressure, little Timmy. <laughs> Just go and play with your train. But it needs you back. Just go and play your train. Storms out, forgetting that the Christmas pudding's in the microwave. And those oh. things go up like napalm if you leave them in too long. <laughs> so, Blows it off. Yeah. Which gave someone an idea, but. <laughs> <laughs> No, it wasn't to be. Microwaves hadn't been invented yet, so that plan, unfortunately, didn't work. (laughs) No, uh, they decided that the Emperor would be at his most vulnerable during the Christmas carol singing that was going to take place later that day. (laughs) He'd be singing so loud, even notice it's coming. (laughs) Yeah. Now, as we've seen, several men hid their swords and knives under thick robes that was keeping out the cold, and they entered the service and then hacked the Emperor to bits in one of the finest displays of assassination in history. Nice. (laughs) Now, the first Michael would have known about any of this was when a door opened of his prison. (gasps) And who should step in? But someone he knows. Unfortunately, I don't have a name there. (laughs) But someone he knows with a big grin on their face. Jeff. He grins a lot. Jeff, yes. Which could go one or two ways, really. Jeff's walked in. (laughs) Any news? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is good news. Brilliant. Leo's dead. (laughs) So, the most immediate problem is obviously Michael can't walk. Shackled. Yeah, he's got his leg irons on him still. <laughs> Funny. A quick search offered no way of removing them, so Michael was helped to the throne room where he was placed on the throne still in his leg irons. Ooh, that's, a, that's an image. It is an image, isn't it? Those high up in the palace, the people who actually ran the palace and probably the empire, they were all sent for, and when they arrived, he announced that Leo was dead. Presumably everyone already knew that. I mean, we were there, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was quite horrendous. <laughs> I still get flashbacks. <laughs> I mean, it was 20 minutes ago, but there are flashbacks nonetheless. I'm fully expecting to be waking up screaming about this when I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he also announced he's in charge now. Uh, if anyone wants to object to that, then step forward kind of thing. No one steps forward. You don't step forward, do you? Uh, everyone steps back and leaves Jeff in the middle of the room. It's grinning still. <laughs> While this was all going on, a blacksmith had been sent for, and Leo's family were rounded up. And also, where, where's Leo's body? In bits. Um, it'd been thrown into one of the privies, apparently. Oh! <laughs> yeah, well, bring that back out, says uh, Michael, and um, go and take it to the Hippodrome. Put it on display. Make sure everyone knows he's dead. But, sir, it's a bit pooey. <laughs> it's a bit bitty. <laughs> Just nail the bits up in roughly the right order. It'll be fine. So, off the body goes. At some point, his leg irons were removed. But we've got two different stories how, so you can choose. Brilliant. Story number one is that the blacksmith was eventually found, who came in and struck them apart. 
Uh, story two is that someone remembered that Leo had the only key on him, and they went off to get the key. I'd like to think this was after he'd been dragged to the Hippodrome and put up on display. Yeah. It was then Jack's <laughs> job to go back to the Hippodrome, <laughs> search for all the bits. Yeah. Oh, squelch, oh, squelch. oh, oh, oh. Is this a pocket? It's hard to tell. Is this bone or key? I don't know. <laughs> Have I put my hand in a pocket or his lung? <laughs> oh, oh, it seems nasty. Nasty. Yeah. Still, he gets the key and goes back to the end. Wonderful. So, uh, which one? Blacksmith or Jeff getting the key? Blacksmith one's tricky because you wouldn't want to hurt the Emperor. It would be tricky. I mean, you'd Black be able man. to separate the chain, but the, the shackle part, that would be tricky. Did they have, like, scissory things back then? <laughs> Just a big pair of scissors. <laughs> it's not working, sire. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe a locksmith. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they get them off him, which is good. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're the ones that, you know, they have a capsule of ink in there. Oh, no. And when they broke into them, it sprayed ink all over his leg that stayed on there for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. That's why everyone knew he was a usurper. Mm. Still, his legs are free, and he's able to think about Leo's family. After all, Leo's wife had saved his life Mm. just the day before. So, showing the same clemency that Leo did to Michael I, Michael II decided to simply monk Leo's sons and exile his wife. That's nice. Well, not for them, but... Yeah. Um, Oh, and um, we're going to castrate them. Yeah. Yeah. One of the sons bled to death. Of course he did. Yeah. Not Michael One's son, which I said last time. Oh. Because I'd read ahead in my research. Yeah. I'd misremembered which group of boys having their balls ah. chopped off uh, resulted in someone bleeding Good. to death. Oh, it's this one. Like you do. Yeah. It's this one. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. this is sucking so much, it's hard to keep, <laughs> yes. keep track. Michael then heads off to one of the churches in the city and was crowned emperor. The first thing that happened was that the patriarch came and had a visit. Um, this whole iconoclasm thing, Michael. Um, what's going on there? Everyone on the streets holding on for moustaches, just <laughs> yeah. ready to remove if needed. It's what we're what we doing, what we're doing, what we're doing. <laughs> Michael said he had no desire to change anything in terms of religion. <sighs> Keep the moustaches up. Keep them up. He wasn't too bothered either way. He doesn't appear to have been overtly religious, does Michael T. He just wants things to be smooth, basically. A smooth transition. Fair enough. I'll quote here. Let each one do what seems right and desirable to him, free of punishment and knowing no affliction. That's very nice. Yeah, his stance, even more than Leo's, appears to be no icons, but these statues of Jesus, you want to take one home... I'm not going to ask what you do with that statue of Jesus. Yeah. What happens at home stays at home. Yeah. If I happen to look through your bins and find lots of fake moustaches, I'm not going to question it. No. No. It's fine. Apart from that, he decided to style himself in the fashion of Constantine V, Poo-Face. Ooh. <laughs> Generally considered by most of the city to be the last successful emperor. Yeah. However, apparently many were not convinced. And I'll quote here, He was so slow in constructing his letters and reading syllables that it was easier for one to read a whole book than for this slow-minded fellow to decipher the letters of his own name. Oh, he couldn't read very well. Apparently he was a bit slow. Aww. Which is perhaps unfair. Let's face it, the sources hated him because he was an iconoclast. Um, But let's just say not everyone is convinced by him being emperor. Yeah. In fact, there's one person in particular who's not convinced with him being emperor. Who's it going to be? Thomas! It's Thomas. He's in the story. Yes. Oh, yes. And now for most of the rest of the episode, it is just going to be Michael and Thomas hammering it out against each other. Brilliant. Yeah. 
Now, because of this, uh, let's have a bit of a recap on Thomas's life, shall we? Because, yeah. spoilers, he doesn't get his own episode. Um, <laughs> so we might need to know a bit more about him. There are, in fact, two stories of how Thomas came into our story. Number one, Thomas was a poor boy who joined the army. He rose through the ranks and became friends with Michael and Leo. He stayed with Badani's after Michael and Leo abandoned him, and therefore was on the losing side of that revolt. (laughs) Not being important enough to face severe punishment, he pursued a military career until his old friend Leo became emperor, when he was welcomed into the higher echelons of Roman life. Much to Michael's annoyance, because although the three were friends... Two's company, three's a crowd. Michael yeah. and Thomas never got on. No, that's fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, that pretty much takes us up to our story at the moment. Okay. And you'll probably have recognised all of that. Yeah. Yeah. However, there is another story told of his origins that is completely different. Oh, brilliant. Let's go with this one then. Don't care what it is, this is what happened. Oh, no, this one's quite a good one. He was a child of a poor family, and as a teenager, he made his way to Constantinople, searching for his fortune with his handkerchief on a stick. <laughs> when in the city, he was able to gain employment as a hired hand, doing various jobs. A hired hand? A painter. Okay. Yeah, he sawed wood occasionally. Ooh. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. He did various jobs, until one day he was able to land a job working for a patrician family. Ooh. Oh, yes. I'm going to assume that he was there to clean the pool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because when the head of the family, a senator, went out, he started to have an affair with the senator's wife. So he was just the pool boy. Did the senator's wife insist that you, you must wear these short shorts every day? <laughs> yes. Then for me! <laughs> Unfortunately, one day, the senator came back early and caught them in the act, shall we say. Full on. In the pool. In the pool. Pool has no water in it. It's oh, just yeah. an empty pool, and Thomas has that big stick with, like, a hoop on the end. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, in fact, being held with that by the senator's wife in some kind of kinky sex game. <laughs> yeah. But really far away. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wear, wearing the senator's dressing ooh. gown, his robes, and his pyjamas. Ooh. Smoking his cigars. Yeah. Ooh. Drinking his brandy. Ooh. Yeah. So. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, that's not good. Thomas flees. Had to entangle himself in the thing first. Yeah, but... quickly. <laughs> Still got the silk dressing gown on. <laughs> uh, clutching his glass of brandy and cigar. But he is down that street. After he's fled the house, he then flees the city. You'd have to. You've got to. Then he has a think. Hang on, this wasn't just some guy. This was a senator. I should probably get out the region. <laughs> and then he doesn't stop. In fact, I'm, I'm going to go to Syria. I'm going to move to Antioch. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And for the next 25 years, he lives in Antioch and converts to Islam. Wow. <laughs> he was really worried about that setting. <laughs> you can imagine, yeah. <laughs> Somehow, he rose in the estimation of the Caliphate and soon was leading a war band. He started to style himself as Constantine VI. That's Irene's murdered son. You remember Irene uh, gouged uh, the eyes out of her son? Yeah. yeah, so he says that he's Constantine VI. He's just had a remarkable recovery. <laughs> um, I can see! <laughs> then when Leo, who he had never met, was killed by Michael, who he had never met... He declared himself emperor with the encouragement from the caliphate. 
And there you go. That's his other background story. That's really interesting because it's just him on his own. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, we have these two completely different stories. Now, obviously, we've been um, following story one because yeah, it's yeah. got the prophecy and it links to Leo and Michael. Um, some historians claim that the first story is more likely, that the story of him having an affair and then becoming a puppet for the caliphate was just put in place by Michael to discredit him. Fair point. Some historians go the other way and think, no, that just sounds far more fun, so let's go with that (laughs) one. Uh, Some, I can only, uh, I'm just going to label these sensible historians, have tried to merge the stories together. That's what you did. Cherry pick the best bits. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. It's history, yeah. Yeah. Here's what I suggest, but feel free to tweak. He goes to Constantinople, young, yeah. sieging his fortune. He has the affair. He flees in a silk dressing gown. But instead of fleeing to Syria, he then joins the Legion. I mean, what a better way to hide yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then he rises through the ranks. He goes to the cave up a pole and sees the monk. Yeah. The prophecy happens. He stays with Badani's after the prophecy. Badani's loses. And because Badani's loses, Thomas then flees to Syria fearing that he's going to get punished. Makes sense. And then spends a while in Syria. Yeah. Then when Leo becomes emperor, he finds out and goes, oh, my friend's emperor. Yay. I'll go back to Constantinople. So he goes back, reunites with his friend. Uh, but Michael is a bit annoyed. He's been with Leo all this time, and suddenly Thomas turns up. I and mean, he never liked Thomas anyway. No. Yeah. He's like kept shouting for his mum. So when... <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> I think he did that when he was having the affair. <laughs> <laughs> mum! Guess what I'm doing? <laughs> Fourth time today! <laughs> that's how the Senate's have found out. Yeah. <laughs> As he was leaving. <laughs> yeah, so when Michael takes the throne, Thomas realises that as a loyal Leo supporter, his days were numbered. I mean, the new emperor's always hated him a little bit. So he fled east and raised an army while he did so. Okay. And there you go. That's uh, pretty much catches us up. First Michael hears about this happening is when he's told that Constantine VI, Irene's son, has been crowned emperor in Antioch. But that's not possible. That's a bit weird. I mean, he's dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, some historians have speculated that this is a, a misunderstanding and that Thomas only claimed to be acting on behalf of Constantine VI. Ah. And not that he was Constantine VI. He was just hearing his voice. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. His voice going, Ah! <laughs> My eyes! It burns! Oh, how it burns! So, there you go. We're not entirely sure how we got to this stage, but what we can say is that Thomas is crowned emperor in Antioch. Antioch, of course, is being ruled by the caliphate. Oh. Yeah. I imagine he called his mum immediately after that. (laughs) Really? That was rushing in Antioch. (laughs) Mum! What's he doing? (laughs) (laughs) Halfway through the ceremony. Yeah, no, I should probably point out, time has passed. Michael and uh, Thomas are now in their 50s, at least. Oh, okay. So stop thinking of young men now. They're definitely a bit older. All right. So slightly more crackly in the voice when he's shouting for his mum. Mother. <laughs> Mother! <laughs> so, Thomas is in the East, and he has declared himself emperor, perhaps with some help from the caliphate who just happily going to stir things up. He realises that he doesn't want to do this on his own, So he adopts a son to co-rule with him. He renames this son Constantius. 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 After season one finalist, Constantius Constantius II. Oh, 
Yeah. <gasps> I had a chance to buy a consensus to coin. Did you? And you didn't yeah. buy one? I didn't. Oh. I wasn't. I didn't have the money on me at the time. Oh, that's a shame. Mm. <laughs> Ten pounds as well. Oh. Steal. <laughs> that's what I should have done. <laughs> that's what you should have done, yeah. Yeah, I, I can only assume Thomas was deciding on a new name for his uh, son yeah. and was listening to our podcast at the time and yes. just went, season one finalist. Let's go for Constantius. According to Stylitzes, Constantius was a man whose, and I quote here, mere physical appearance declared the vacuity of his soul. Dramatic. Yeah, I do like Stylitzes. <laughs> just his, his mere physical appearance just showed you how empty his soul was. <laughs> uh, obviously, I don't know, what, what is that look? Did he have glowing red eyes? Or was he just a bit dishevelled? Pale dishevelled. Yeah, people people kept asking him whether things were ready. He's, he's overworked. So that's what's going on in the East. Michael is shocked by the speed of this revolt. In the East, the story of Thomas being the son murdered by that iconophile devil woman, Irene, was going down quite well. <laughs> in the same time, in the West, Thomas was spreading word that his ascension to the throne would lead to the end of iconoclasm. Mm. Yeah, so uh, having two opposite philosophies that you were fighting for in different regions of the Empire, it's a dangerous game, but in the short term, it can work really well. Yeah. He's, he's telling compl- saying different things to different parts of the Empire, <laughs> yeah. basically. Uh, but he's gaining support quickly because he's telling everyone exactly what they want to hear. <gasps> now, the fact that the current Caliph Mamoon may have been financing this rebellion was obviously something he kept very quiet. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to mention that. You would, wouldn't you? Anyway, inevitably, war breaks out. So big was this rebellion, it really can be considered a civil war. Gosh. Yeah. I quote here, When the civil war broke out, it was like the cataracts of a river, not of water, but of blood, which inundated the earth. It's very dramatic. I'm liking style, it's it's good, good. isn't it? (laughs) Thomas had managed to gather an army that was at least the size of everything that Michael had. This is, like, two equal armies fighting each other. And with remarkable speed, most of Anatolia, so most of the east, falls to Thomas, with only two of the themes remaining loyal to Michael. So Michael orders that one of these themes attack back, but that was crushed instantly by Thomas. Thomas then was slightly distracted by the Caliphate invading. What? Yeah, it's probably what he said. <laughs> but uh, hang on. They were on my side. Oh, guys. Well, this is a suggestion that Mamoon was not actually behind Thomas's plans. Oh, well, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was just a, a baseless slur against yeah. him. Uh, and the caliphate are going, oh, civil war with the Romans, let's invade. Makes mm. sense. Uh, Thomas was forced to turn around and deal with this, basically, but was quickly able to create a peace treaty with the Muslim leader, largely thanks to the fact that Mamoon was facing troubles himself. Hmm. So, fortunately, this gets sorted very quickly. Good. After this, with the majority of the Eastern Empire under Thomas's control, he decides to go and get the throne itself. He was convinced that Michael, not being particularly popular, would not be able to keep the city from throwing open the gates for him. He's putting all his money on Simon, bottling it, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's happened before. Especially if he turns up looking tough enough. Everyone inside the city will just go, yeah, you know what, actually, let's give it to Thomas, because <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, who is this Michael guy? We don't want the hassle. So, siege engines were built. Ships also 
were created to help attack via the water, adding to fleets that he'd already got under his command nice. by taking over the east. Nice, nice. Huge preparations. Thomas moves all his ships to Lesbos to no. await the invasion, which all the sailors giggled about for yeah. a bit. So, his army sets off. He sent his adopted son, Constantius, looking very bedraggled, um, <laughs> to make sure the themes not under their control in the east didn't try anything when they left. However, Constantius was obviously not the most experienced military man, hadn't quite prepared well enough, uh, because his troops were led straight into an ambush, and his head was chopped off. Constantius's. Constantius's head, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's adopted son, Dad, right at the start. No waste of soul, though, because he didn't have one. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> the head was sent to Michael. Splendid. <laughs> Ew, Roger, why are you sending me this? Ew. Oh, those red eyes. and what? It's gone green. Who is this? It's always been green, sir. <laughs> like, you, they just sent me a head in a box. Who is this? <laughs> no return address. <laughs> Eventually they figure out who it is, because then Michael decides to send it on. Who to? Oh, uh, thingy, Thomas. Yes, of course. He sends it on to Thomas. Perhaps with a note. <laughs> We'd lost something. <laughs> yes. However, if there was a note, or even if there wasn't, this head did nothing to deter Thomas, who obviously didn't care that much. Or maybe he did and was infuriated and pushed on anyway. True. He was well on his way to Constantinople. He'd even crossed into Europe. Ooh, yeah. wow. Michael was not twirling his thumbs, however... Uh, he'd consolidated the Thracian and Macedonian forces and pulled them back to the capital. He'd then raised the navy and pulled up the giant iron chain that stopped ships sailing up the Golden Horn. The Golden oh, Horn, nice. remember, but is that bit of waterway yeah, yeah. north of the city. And that is the safest place for ships, if they're attacking, to just stay uh, when they're not actually doing the attacking. So they just put like a, almost like a giant boat tripwire. Yeah. Massive nice. boat trip wire across the Golden Horn. They pull that up, and he calls up his navy. So both sides are ready for this. Full-on war is about to happen. Thomas's navy arrived first, and it was impressive. Massive. We don't really know how it happens, but they managed to break the chain and sail up the Golden Horn. So they either overwhelmed the side bits and, like, de-chained the chain, or oh, wow. they just got someone with determination to swim underneath and just gnaw through it or something. Ooh. Yeah. We need someone to... Jeff! <laughs> you're free! How are you even here? <laughs> you were in the city not long ago. <laughs> he gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so who knows how they get past the chain, but they break the chain somehow. Maybe their boats have big scissors underneath. Ooh, I like that idea. Yeah, I like that idea as well. They sail up the Golden Horn where they have a better defensible position, and then they wait... They do nothing. So in the city, they're just looking at this fleet of ships yeah. just to the north of them. Oh, dear. Yeah. Michael's strength on the sea is not powerful enough to go and attack it. He knows yeah. that. So they just all sit and wait there. Somewhat uncomfortably, I imagine. Yeah. Then Thomas himself arrives in December with possibly, but probably not, 80,000 men. Wow. This is a large force. 
The site was not a cheerful one for the citizens of the city, and the emperor's son, Theophilus, remember him? Yeah. He attempts to buoy the spirits of the troops by walking up and down the walls, carrying bits of the one true cross. Okay. Remember Heraclius? Oh, put yeah. bits of the one true cross back? Yeah. Yeah, quite oh. a while ago now. Well, they've still got it, so he's just showing bits of wood to people, going, look, don't worry! We've got this bit of wood! Surely giving out rum with that or gin or something. <laughs> you'd, you'd think, but... um. No distilled spirits back then, so... Really? Oh, of course not, no. Just I don't know, they beer. must have had... Had wine. They must have had fortified wine by that point. Yeah, but I mean, that's still not spirits, is it? Let's look it up. What day are we on? Seven, let's go from 770, roughly. 8th Eight, century AD, the Arabic alchemist Abu Musa Jabir in Adayan designed the alembic pot still, contraction that allowed the effective distillation of alcohol. What, what year is this? Eight, it just says 8th century. However, it wasn't really used for drinking. But technically, first distilling had actually taken place, but it was brand new at this time then. Yeah. Yeah. But in Baghdad, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No spirits. No. Which okay. is a shame. The spirit of Jesus. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> but how can you miss something you never had? <laughs> Shut up. It does make you think, though, all those people in history, all these these great figures that you learn about, none of them ever had a decent whiskey in their lives. Oh, that's true. We win. We do win, We do win. We do win. Right, anyway, so... Screw you, Augustus. (laughs) So, Thilophilus is going up and down the walls trying to cheer everyone up about the fact that distilling spirits hasn't been invented yet. (laughs) And meanwhile, everyone is looking out over the fields in front of them. The siege begins... Oh, on the siege. People in Constantinople must be really annoyed at all these sieges. <laughs> it's got a bit siege-heavy recently, haven't it? Yeah. I'll quote here. The next day, at the first light, Thomas signalled for the onslaught to begin and led out his men. He committed the attack on the land walls to his son while he himself, with greater forces, powerful siege engines and machines, assaulted the towers. Ladders as long as the walls were high were brought up and used against them. In some places, there was an attack by Testudo. In others, a battering ram. Using archery and catapults, he thought to show a such force that would frighten the citizens and deliver the city into his hands. He blockaded the rest of the walls with his naval force, terrifying the citizens with fire arrows. So, big show of force. Yeah. Ladders on those walls... Smashing at the gates, fire arrows over the walls, ships sailing in, just throw everything at the walls, hoping that the citizens would go, this is scary, and Simon would go, you know what, I'm just going to open this door quietly. He does that, though, doesn't he? Or I bet he's been locked away. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Simon, can I borrow your keys? (coughs) Yes. This is a big attack. It is. It's a sustained attack. It lasts a while. However, those walls are damn good. They are damn good you walls. You don't mess with those walls. With the little children playing on the other side. <laughs> Can you hear a sound? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> well, Michael was indeed able to hold the walls, while getting lucky that a storm came along and blew the invading ships away from the city. So we got a struggled look there. Thomas's forces were getting disheartened. The first attack fails, and they settle into a kind of pattern of attacking and resting and sieging. Yeah. It becomes clear... Those gates aren't mysteriously going to open. They're going to have to take the city by force. Uh, But it's cold. (laughs) (laughs) It's the middle of winter. Thomas was hoping this was going to be quick. And um, it's not quick. Thomas decides that 
you know what, this will be far easier in warmer weather. Warmer weather. So he retreats. And we'll return back in the spring! Like a blooming flower, yeah. we shall return. Ma! I'm coming home! <laughs> so, Michael watched the forces of his old friend go, breathed a huge sigh of relief, but he knew that this was only a temporary reprieve. So he quickly starts to work on repairs on the walls and builds the Imperial fleet and restocks the city. Yeah. Sure enough, spring came around, like it does most years. Yeah. Yeah. And Thomas was back. Having already attacked once, he was now better prepared. He now had a strategy in place. Michael, therefore, decides on some drastic action. He goes down to the walls personally and addresses Thomas's troops. Oi, idiot! <laughs> he asked the forces to abandon their leader and offered many rewards if they did so, in a speech that became more and more desperate as it went on. Please? Yeah. <laughs> Please, come on. Thomas's troops became confident that the city was about to fall. I mean, Michael's there practically begging them to stop. Is this a ruse? They relaxed their guard and started to think, this is going to be easy. When suddenly, two of the gates are thrown open, either <gasps> side of this group that had come close enough to listen, and were fallen upon by Michael's men and slaughtered. <laughs> At the same time as this, the Navy had suddenly attacked Thomas's fleet and managed to get them to scatter. Mm. Now, these two minor victories were not in themselves hugely impressive, but together they did just enough, because some in Thomas's army started to worry that they were never going to be able to take this city. Thomas has said twice now, don't worry, if you show force, they, they'll open the gates, we'll walk in, no one likes Michael. Well, they didn't do that the first time, and now this time Michael's shown that he's actually got command of his troops. Oh dear. So a nephew of Thomas, a man named Gregory, whose family was in the city, hmm. uh, he decided he'd had enough. He'd quite like to get into the city without being slaughtered beforehand. Yeah, that'd be, yeah that'd be nice. I'm going to go and see my wife and children. So he decides to defect. He met with a monk, a clandestine monk, who, who claimed he could get a word to Michael. Not entirely sure where this monk was. There's just a church nearby. On the outskirts, this on, on the outside of the city. There would have been buildings on the out, yeah. outside the walls by this point. The city's expanded a bit, so yeah, maybe he's just. And they probably wouldn't attack a monastery, would they? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's got a doorway into the city as well, so it's great. It's <laughs> Clever. <laughs> yeah, so he goes and sees this monk. He sends word through the monk that he was willing to defect with all the men under him to Michael. All three of them. <laughs> yes. Then. Gregory moves the men he commanded further west, away from the city, hoping that the directions from Michael would come quicker than it took Thomas to realise what was going on. Ah, yeah. So, let's get myself in a position where I can quickly flee into the city. The fact we remember his name implies this works. Well, we'll see. So he's moved his, his way away from Thomas's troops. He's, he's preparing himself. Then... He sees someone coming towards them. Maybe this is the messenger he needs. Then he sees that this person is in front of a lot of other people. Then he realises that it's none other than Thomas himself riding towards him. Oh, hey, Thomas! <laughs> Just talking about you. Hide the plans, hide the bloody plans. <laughs> hey, woo! Then he sees the monk coming up, waving. Hi, just heard from Michael. <laughs> shash, shash. About your subterfuge. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, by the way? Michael said if you just put on all these high-vis jackets. 
Yes, the one that says traitor on the back. Yeah, just <laughs> pop those on. Is that Thomas? Yeah. Um, Thomas and Gregory fought a skirmish. Gregory lost. Oh, okay. Thomas had snuck away from his camp, so it didn't look like he was retreating to his yeah. own people. So he only had a small group of men with him. So it was a, a tough battle of of not many men kind of in the middle of the battlefield. Four versus five. Yeah, but yeah, Gregory loses. Thomas then uses this victory as a sign that Michael was close to losing and sent word to the themes in Greece. Now, the themes in Greece have largely stayed out of this, you may have noticed. Although it wouldn't surprise me if you'd lost track on how big the empire is now. Who? Greece. It's, um, Greece. The middle of Greece is gone, but the, the outskirt of yeah. Greece, there's quite a few cities still... Um, okay. In the Empire, so... They're all the islands, basically. A lot of the islands and some cities on the coast, yeah. basically, yeah. Athens. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, still no, got Athens. Athens. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Thomas sends word to Greece saying, look, Michael's about to fall. It's time you, you pick a side, and I suggest you pick mine. Yeah. And they did so. I mean, there, there were some strong words just then. They were clearly impressed. So they sent Thomas reinforcements, including new ships, to join his fleet. That's impressive. Mm. Yeah. However, when they arrived, they were perhaps not quite warmed up enough. You know, when you like you join in, it takes a while for you to get involved. Yeah, it does. In something. Yeah. You join a party late, so you just kind of hang around awkwardly for a bit until you kind of get in the mood. Someone else is drunk, and you're just stone cold sober. You go into the kitchen, you down a couple of shots, and yeah, then just, just to just, just stop it. yeah. Ease into it. Well, yeah, these new ships haven't done that. They turn up oh. into this big siege, and they're like, "Okay, right. So, where do you want us? What? Oh, they're the enemy ships. Oh, you're attacking us. Oh, well, we're dead. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Michael's fleet able to come along and immediately before they've even done anything, just wipe them out. Okay, soldiers. Just a few rules before we start. <laughs> so they're they're coming. Behind. <laughs> Listen, please. I don't like to, you know how to be interrupted. If anyone sees any danger, you're to Raise your hand immediately. Not now. Questions at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but, sir, they're right behind you. Yeah. And at that point, the Greek fire just hits them and they all burn to death. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Thomas had his reinforcements, but unfortunately they were destroyed almost immediately. Well, well yeah. So, Michael's got the upper hand on the sea now. He pretty much controls the sea, but he can't do anything about the land forces of Thomas. Boats on land. <laughs> yes, clever, ingenious. There you go. Our boats are doing better on the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how well they do on the land. <laughs> oh, it's just no, silence. Jeff. <laughs> silence in the war council. Yeah. <laughs> How do you even get in there? <laughs> well, deciding the only way to break the siege would be to sally forth, which is always a good phrase. Michael started sending out troops to just skirmish, try and test the waters, as yeah, it were. Yeah. Uh, nothing can really be achieved. Things start looking desperate in the city. They simply have no way of fighting off Thomas. And then, just as things become desperate... Michael falls to his knees and cries, there's no way out. We're doomed. We're all going to die. Then he hears something in his head. The first light on the third day. Look to the east. A horn sounds. <laughs> it's no orc horn. It's the Bulgars. And everyone collectively went, oh, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> no! 
Well, actually, this didn't happen, but if there was a film, it would have happened like yeah, this. Yeah. It's not quite that clean. Uh, what actually happened is that Thomas received word that the Bulgars were coming, because obviously they'd have scouts. An entire Bulgar army wouldn't have been able to just surprise them. So, whilst, whilst they're sieging, Thomas receives word that the Bulgars are coming. They're on their way, they're going to be here really soon. Realising that he couldn't siege a city and fight the bloody Bulgars, where the hell did the Bulgars come from? <laughs> um, yeah, he can't do that at the same time, so he is forced to lift the siege once more and headed off to fight the Bulgars. Brilliant. But why? Why are the Bulgars there? Did Michael send for them? Well, we've got a couple of possibilities. Option one, and this is the recorded one. This is what the history books, the contemporary sources all say. So the most boring one? Uh, well, no, they're quite similar, but you'll see the difference in a moment. Omortag. Remember Omortag? That's Crumb's son. Omortag. Yeah, it's not as good a name as Crumb. Um, maybe it's shortened to Tag. That's still not great, is it? Tag. Tag. Sounds like they're playing a game. You're it. Yeah. I know I'm the king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Omortag had written to Michael when he heard about the siege. Cooey! <laughs> pointing help to see her in a spot of bother. <laughs> well, pointing out that Leo and Ormortag, if you remember, had signed a 30-year treaty to help each other. Leo had even eaten some dog balls to seal oh, the yeah. deal. Much to our amusement. I mean, we yeah. struggled to keep a straight face, but your emperor, he, he munched down on those. He's in, very enthusiastic. <laughs> he insisted that that meant this was official, so... Um, he went for seconds. <laughs> Fortunately, there was another. Um, anyway, because of that, that treaty that we signed, shall we come to Rome's aid? Michael refused, using the excuse... It would not be right for pagans to be spilling Christian blood, even if they are rebelling against us. What an idiot. <laughs> well, we beep that word out, I put there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's a good Christian emperor, after all. Yeah, but... No, no, good Christian emperor. Omortag, however, being a horrible pagan and thinking of nothing but the loot... <laughs> came along anyway uh, against Michael's orders. Right. <laughs> okay, so that's the official line. <laughs> yeah. Far more likely. That's the governmental line, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> we didn't want the Bulgars to come and save us. In fact, we're, we're quite annoyed they did. Yes, how dare you? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> far, far more likely is that Michael wrote the Bulgars after Thomas lifted the first siege, yeah. knowing that Thomas was going to be back in spring. Writing to Omortag, saying, Leo and yourself had signed a 30-year treaty to aid each other and not to fight. In fact, Leo had even eaten the sacred dog balls to seal the deal, <laughs> much to our disgust. Would you come to Rome's aid? Omortag, thinking of the loot and giggling about the dog balls, uh, yeah. agreed. Okay, we can come along. We're, we're kill... You want us... You want us to come and kill half your forces, mm. loot their corpses, and you're going to let us do that? All right. Yeah. And that that's fine. That's that's not going to, like, break the, the dog ball pact. That's all right, is it? Because we, we really respected Leo. I mean, he was a bit, he was a bit testy. That's <laughs> <laughs> why so I put the letter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, either way, Thomas and Crumb's son face each other 
in open battle. We have few details on this battle, unfortunately, and what we do have is contradictory. Thomas either won or lost. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. They're the best battles. <laughs> it would appear that he did win, as far as we can tell, uh, but it cost him heavily. It would. Yeah. Uh, during his absence from the capital, his fleet surrendered to Michael. Michael always had the Ooh. upper hand on the sea, or at least had done recently. Yeah. And his fleet surrendered completely. So he's now no longer got his army in front of the capital, and his fleet's gone. Uh, he also loses a lot of men to, to the Bulgars. So... It's not looking good. No. But then the Bulgars kind of disappear from the story, so we assume that Thomas won, but it was tricky. So Michael, with no one sieging his city anymore, decides to go on the offensive. He spends a couple of months training some troops up and repairing various things. It's insane. It takes months. Yeah, the, none of this is quick. It's, it's, weird, uh, it's weird, isn't it? But it's as quick as he can. He then hunts down Thomas. Out he goes to meet Thomas in battle. Michael was pleased to see that Thomas's troops looked somewhat demoralised. After all, they just fought the Bulgars. So he orders the attack. Things look good for Michael. In fact, Thomas's troops start to break and then flee. Michael pursues them, victory in his grasp. Ooh, ooh, oh dear. But then, <laughs> a trumpet rang out. And Michael had that heart-stopping moment where you really realise you've made a mistake. Mm. Thomas's troops were being ordered to swing round. It's the old pretend-to-run-away, rally, turn back and smash your enemy when they're not expecting it trick. Well, the old look really sad to start with. Yeah. Then turn around, run away, come back, and then look happier yeah. and more aggressive. And use your shinier swords. But... As Michael watched, his fear must have slowly turned to joy as he saw what happened in front of him. Because he saw that despite the order, Thomas's troops kept running. <laughs> <laughs> they may have been ordered to pretend to flee to begin with, but now they actually were. <laughs> okay, Thomas leading his troops on a horse. They're all running away, then starts to turn around. Well, Thomas turns around. The rest of the army go away. So it's now Thomas on his own going, Rah! Michael, of course, sitting there, chuckling to himself. Because <laughs> he saw right at the start of the battle, the whole row, front line of horses Thomas's troops are on. All those horses look like fleeing horses to him. He knew. He yes, knew. He knew. Yeah. I'll quote. When the trumpet signalled to arms and the ranks engaged in hand-to-hand -hand combat... Those made no pretense of running away, as they were ordered to do, but simply broke ranks in disorderly, undisciplined manner, and scattered in all directions. Nice. Thomas was forced to retreat back to Adrianople, sending some of his leading men to other nearby cities just to try and control the region. Yeah. Michael was hot on his heels, and when he arrived, he saw Thomas expelling women and children from the city. He's trying to form like a, a human shield. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, just like get rid of the, like a like a sea. You know, he's going to be sieged. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a CG on the seizure. Exactly. How the tables have turned. And that's because... what Michael said. <laughs> yeah. And everyone groaned. <laughs> no one says that there. He says it literally every evening when they sit down to eat. Oh. <laughs> and every night he sits this to the side. Yeah, he turns. <laughs> Just turn the whole table around. <laughs> How the tables have turned. Oh, God, Michael. <laughs> Who told yeah. you that joke? 
The yeah. siege. <laughs> the siege begins. Michael's got a choice here. What would you do? Let's play What Would You Do? Would you A, take the city by force, or B, starve them out? I'll starve them out. I need more contextual information. You yeah, haven't got any. You're Michael. I'll starve, uh, starve them out. Leave a garrison there. Taking the city by force is quicker. Yes. You um, need more resources. I do understand that. You would put down the revolt quickly, uh, but Michael figured that it has one major drawback. You might not win. He's quite confident he'd win, but apparently there were some Bulgars still around, kind of hanging around. He probably hired some for auxiliary troops. Yeah. What he doesn't want to do right now is show the Bulgars exactly how to take a Roman city by force. <laughs> yes. We'll show them how to starve it out instead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, we, 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 as soon as we get hungry, guys, we, we wilt like snowflakes. <laughs> Just a little tip for the few... Oh, damn it. <laughs> now, they say every society is three hot meals away from the revolt. We're, we're about one and a half meals, to be honest. <laughs> Seriously, cut our brunch and we're... <laughs> we fall apart. <laughs> God, don't even know which way to hold our swords. <laughs> well, Michael decides to start the city out. After five months, those inside were reduced to eating boiled leather. Ooh. Yeah, nasty. We should try that in a when in Rome section. Yeah, we should. Really upset any um, goths that still lived in the region. All their all their all their long coats. coats. Yeah. yeah. Oh, their boots. Their big yeah. rock boots. <laughs> yeah. That's that it studs out first. Slowly to begin with, and then in a steady drip, men would scale down the walls at night to surrender. <laughs> Eventually, the gates were opened, and Thomas was led out. Probably screaming, Mom! Bad <laughs> then, news! <laughs> then all of a sudden, you see the sun rising in the distance. Then you see a black silhouette of a woman on a donkey. Riding, riding. Riding. And then you just see another very small silhouette of an arrow just. Whoosh. Yeah. Don't hear anything, it's an arrow. <laughs> you just see the woman fall. Yeah. Everyone looks around a bit. And then Thomas is dragged in yeah. front of the Emperor. It's a bit awkward, but it's, <laughs> it really it's history. History is sometimes awkward. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the gates are open. Thomas is dragged out, captured <laughs> by his own starving men, and just handed over to Michael. The two old friends meet face to face. Ah, Thomas! Care for a meal? <laughs> Please. Do you remember what that monk said? <laughs> Back in that cave up a pole. How was it you were going to die again? Was it was it horribly, Thomas? Oh, horribly, horribly. It was, wasn't it, Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mama. Mum's dead, Thomas. <laughs> Dad! <laughs> An axe was brought forth. I imagine Michael was just casually holding it in his hand. Just leaning on it a bit. Occasionally sort of picking his teeth with it. <laughs> Thomas cried out, and I quote here, Be merciful to me, you who truly are the Emperor. Michael then leans in and asks Thomas a question. Who's the man? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the bitch now? <laughs> no, he asked him this. Uh, who in the capital supports you? Is there anyone of my friends secretly plotting against me? Good question to ask. Yeah, sensible. There's a bit of a pause, and then Thomas, 
who probably still staring, can't take his eyes off the axe, opens his mouth to speak. When suddenly, Hexabulus steps forward. Remember him from last week? Vaguely. He was friends with uh, Leo. He was there in the um, attempt to kill Crom in the ambush. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Hexabulus stands, steps forward and very quickly says, oh, My Lord Emperor, it is <laughs> improper and quite insane to believe one's enemies testifying against one's friends. <laughs> so, Michael apparently let the question drop. <laughs> but... Probably mentally put Hexabulos right at the top of the list of uh, potential traitors. <laughs> Are you sure there's nobody, Mike Thomas? Yeah, I do love that. It doesn't suggest anywhere in the sources that Hexabulos was one of the traitors, but oh, that looks suspicious. It really does. It? Okay. Don't, don't listen to him. <laughs> He'd say anything. Okay. <laughs> okay, Thomas, I've got a test for you. I want you to pick which shape you think is the most bad. <laughs> which shape I should get rid of? Got a circle, got a, a, a square, got a triangle, got a, a pentagon. Pentagons are fine, a nice Greek shape. And then this shape, which is just the silhouette of Hexabulos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Michael decides not to ask this question. It just leads to trouble, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. You're opening a can of worms there. Instead, he gave a nod. Thomas's hands were chopped off. Oh. One after another. Oh, that's even worse. Then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> his legs were pulled out in front of him. And his feet were chopped off, one after another. Oh. And then after a while, he dies. They just let him bleed to death. Mm. Out of his stumps. Nasty. That's where he got the nickname Stumpy McGrew. <laughs> yeah. Michael then spends a couple of months cleaning up the area. There's a lot of blood. <laughs> yeah. A lot of sponges. <laughs> what a Dettol being used that day. He's like he's like Swerigen in Deadwood. He cleans up his own blood patches. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thomas's new adopted son. He adopted someone else after Constantius, um, but he's soon handed over from another city nearby. His hands and feet are also chopped off. Oh nice. Yeah. Then when an earthquake hit the last remaining city holding up holding against Michael, they saw it as a sign. <laughs> and they give up as well. The East mostly come back to Michael's side fairly quickly, although there were pockets of rebellion still. A couple of generals refused to surrender and held a fortified town. Uh, one day, however, when they went out to gather food, the fortification they were in received word, turn against your commanders and all will be forgiven. So <laughs> these two commanders then returned to their stronghold, only to find it locked. <laughs> Uh, hello? <laughs> we, we've got the food! I st I hello? Did you have the key? I swear you have the key. Hey, anyone? I, I can see you in there! Knocking on the door frantically. Hello? Hello? <laughs> they flee. They try to flee to Syria, but they were caught en route. And according to one source, crucified. Ooh. Yeah, which uh, might have been in a translation thing, because I saw somewhere else impaled. Ooh. An impalement and crucifixion aren't quite the same thing in my mind, but maybe they're similar enough to be confused. Maybe in the original language it may have been. Yeah, I mean, they both involve sharp metal bits in places you don't want sharp metal bits. <laughs> and a big stick of wood. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. They died horribly. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> 
So there you go. Uh, with that, the Civil War's over, and Michael wins. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, however, Thecla, his wife, had died at some point. We don't know how. Oh. Maybe she went full on Rambo during the Civil War. <laughs> Just ran paint and everything. Ran out of the the gates. She sallied forth. She did. Oh, she did. Her nickname was Sally Forth. Yeah. Axe in each hand, screaming, <laughs> "Come on, you mothers!" <laughs> she went for it. I'll take you down. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, we'll say that. Michael started thinking about how he could strengthen the, his royal line with a second marriage. Who better, he thought, than the daughter of Constantine VI? Oh. Yeah. That would tie him in nicely into the uh, the last dynasty. Slight problem. She had been nunned at one point after Irene had been deposed. So she's a nun. Can you unnun somebody? Can you denun them? Oh, that's what he thinks. Oh, I will. Can't see why anyone would have a problem with this. (laughs) This does not go down too well, unfortunately, with the Church or the Senate, uh, but Michael's got a plan. He sent a note to several leading men of the city, saying, paraphrasing here, You need to write to me publicly, stating that it is unfair on your wives not to have an empress to follow. Or else. Fair enough. (laughs) Yes. The the men, not wishing to really die on this hill, uh, did so. And soon the wedding was arranged. So he just threatened people, basically, (laughs) until this wedding could take place. But then word came through. Crete had just been invaded by a bunch of Spaniards. Spain? Yeah, these were men from Muslim Spanish lands. Oh, they took the south of Spain, didn't they? Well, to hugely simplify and recap here. Yeah, yeah. What's been going on with the Caliphate? The Umayyad dynasty, ruling from Damascus was deposed by the Abbasids, if you remember, and they ruled from Baghdad instead. Yeah. The caliphate, however, stayed roughly the same size. It was, it was pretty much a taking over. Yeah. One dynasty to the next. However, Spain was the exception. Spain remained Umayyad. Now, this new Abbasid caliphate was far more uh, Persian in culture than the Umayyad one, which was far more Arabian in culture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the prominence of the Persian bureaucrats ruling from the centre of the old Sassanid Persian Empire started up what's known as the Golden Age of Islam, where Baghdad became one of, if not the, leading centres for art, science, philosophy, etc. in the world. They did everything. They did, during this time, invent distilled spirits. Mm. Yes, as you found out earlier. Yes. Yeah. Also, Loads of maths, though. Yeah. Part, part of their, um, the, the belief system is to open your eyes and analyse things. That's yeah. part of the Quran. Well, a lot of the uh, churches were just insistent on, no, you don't question, don't do anything, this is the way it is. Yeah, you definitely so, see a lot of... There's a slump in Europe <laughs> Yeah, you, soon. you definitely see a lot of progress in science and philosophy uh, going on in the caliphate at this time, uh, and that's only going to grow as we go further. Um, however, despite this progress going on in, in the arts and sciences, uh, the caliphate itself starts to fracture... Yeah. With areas of the caliphate becoming more and more autonomous. Yeah. It doesn't splinter immediately. This is a, this is a, a gradual thing that happens over time. Um, Muslim Spain, or Al-Andalus, as it's also known, uh, this time is also doing very well for itself. The capital of this independent emirate is Cordova, and Cordova was quickly becoming one of the leading cities in the world also. One of the largest populated, and also was making huge strides in uh, science and philosophy. Hmm. It would appear... 
that there was a revolt in Cordova that failed, which led to several thousand men being exiled from the Spanish peninsula. So, these men set off sailing through the Mediterranean, wondering what on earth do we do with ourselves now? Hmm. That, that didn't go down well, lads, did it? Oh dear. <laughs> we were supposed to be ruling, and now we're just on this boat. This is rubbish. Until... They spot Alexandria. Ah, Egypt. So they stayed there for a while. I say they stayed there for a while. They turned up, they massacred people, and they took it over. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) They stayed for a while. Until (laughs) um, an Abbasid general came along and went, new, out you get. And they're chucked out. So they're looking for somewhere else to go now. And this this island we've raided a couple of times before is nice. Uh, What is it? Crete. Roman-held Crete. Let's go and... Stay there for a bit. Now, apparently they landed on the island just to raid it, just as they'd done a few times before. But after the men had gone through the island, taking everything they wanted, they returned to their fleet, only to find their leader, Abu Haps, standing in front of 40 burning ships. Ah. And I'll quote. He said, You yourselves are the cause of these events. The men all looked at each other. I didn't burn them down. Did you burn them down? I didn't burn them down. I mean, I sit right, but... <laughs> you yourselves are the cause of these events, for you sought to settle elsewhere and in good lands. And I could think of no better land than this. I chose this way of granting you your heart's desire and ridding myself of your objections. Ooh. So we're staying here now. You can do nothing to argue about it because I've just burnt all our ships. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, amazingly, he wasn't murdered on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You what? <laughs> I'll slit your gullet. Crete then, I'm sure you'll be very excited to learn, became a pirate paradise. Yar! Yeah. In- Yar! Instantly, everyone just started saying ar a lot. Cut their own leg off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wooden, wooden parrots on their shoulders. Yes. Yeah. Real parrots with captains only. That's fantastic. <laughs> but no boats, though. No. Well, they, they could rebuild boats over time. That's true. Once they've settled. Yeah, I swab my poop deck. So, Michael hears about this. It's like, oh, we've got a pirate island nearby now, so we need to do something about it. When another report came to him, Sicily had just been invaded. Hmm. Looking into the details, it turned out that a Roman admiral named Euphemius had been removed from his position. He'd done something awful. He had eloped with a nun. Well, you can't That's marry a terrible, nun. Terrible, says Michael. That's vile. Awful. How could you do so? Awful. <laughs> so, Euphemius did the only sensible thing to do. He went to Sicily and declared himself emperor. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those days that pans out in a way that you weren't expecting. Yeah, that's that's w- weird. <laughs> he woke up next to his sexy nun, uh, thinking everything was fine, and then realised he'd lost his job, and the next day he wakes up <laughs> and goes, oh, did I declare myself emperor on Sicily? I did, deny. I? And I've got a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Realising that he could not hold the island on his own... <laughs> <laughs> Him and his nun wife. Yeah. Grab something sharp, dear. Grab something sharp. That's not sharp. That's a Bible. <laughs> uh, he realizes he's going to need some help here. So Euthemius went to Africa to ask the Emir of the region for help. Now, the Emir ruled this region roughly of the old Roman African province. So it's roughly the same place. Yeah. Uh, on behalf of the Abbasids. And uh, they ruled from their capital city of Carowem, which uh, is not too far from Carthage. Carthage is on the decline now, 
so it's no longer the capital major city in the region. This Amir did not have to be invited twice, and sent over men immediately to take Sicily, while at the same time providing a ceremony for Euthemius proclaiming him emperor. Mm. So, with two separate invasions on two separate islands, Michael has to decide what to do. His fleet's not what it should have been. Much of it was destroyed in the Civil War. Mm. So, he's got to make a call. What would you do? Are you going to go and try and take Sicily back? Hugely valuable province. Or are you going to try and calm down the pirate island? Pirates are fun. Leave them alone. (laughs) Go for Sicily. Uh, He goes for the opposite. Crete is closer, and they will be able to keep raiding you. Is he about to die? Who, Michael? Mm. Not yet. So he decides to send 70 ships to Crete to get it back. Fighting took all day, apparently, but by the end of the day, the Roman troops had made it onto the island and had taken it. Yeah. Almost. There were pockets still to, to work out, but they've got Crete back. And I'll quote, So much so, they had taken it, that as night fell, they began to celebrate. They proceeded to indulge themselves in drink and other pleasures, as though they were at home and not stationed on a foreign country. They gave no thought to posting sentries or any other safety precautions. They could think of nothing other than sleep, repose, and relaxation, which can so easily undo everything. Thus, around midnight, the Cretans... Cretans? Cretans? Cretans. <laughs> the Cretans. That's <laughs> what the pirates called themselves. The Cretans. Yeah. <laughs> Who were wide awake and deeply worried, learned from their own sentries that the men in the Roman encampment had fallen prey to sleep and wine. They promptly attacked with loud shouting and, finding the Romans overcome with wine, slew them to a man, leaving not even a messenger as the proverb says, to tell the tale. Roger. However, we've heard the tale, so someone obviously escaped. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Apparently, the um, <laughs> the only person to escape was the general that was sent over. So I, <laughs> he must have seen them coming and just ran. <laughs> <laughs> Drunken haze. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, there's no way they're getting Roger, so I wouldn't no. worry about it. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Good news, sir. Crete's been taken. Back. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, on Sicily, let's let's just check in on Euphemius, what's going on here. Uh, he was taking the island one city at a time until he arrives at Syracuse. That's right, it's Syracuse, it's back. Yay. If you don't listen to our Roman Republic uh, series, you won't realise, but we've just done an episode... Oh, yeah. All about the siege of Syracuse during the Second Punic War. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we learn all about how it's hard to take this city because it's a city on walking legs and machine (laughs) arms. Yeah. You you don't mess with this city. No, it's got lasers and everything. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's advanced for its time. It really is. Uh, Toasters. (laughs) Yeah. Check out our um, Marcellus episode if you want to find out more. Anyway, he arrives at Syracuse. It's it's run down a bit now, yeah. uh, but they still got their lasers. Slightly rusty lasers. But... Yeah. <laughs> Instead of it's just spits a bit of laser go out. Anyway, Euphemius went up to the walls, stepping over the puddle of laser goo, and proclaimed himself emperor. The Syracusians sent out a delegation to meet Euphemius. The two leaders of the delegation were brothers, who announced that they would indeed embrace Euphemius as their leader. The brothers approached, but as soon as they got close enough, 
One of them grabbed Euphemius by the hair and pulled sharply. The other one pulled out a sword that was concealed and chopped his head off there and then. <laughs> you don't go there. You don't mess with Syracuse. You really don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> My God! And you know that that was a lightsaber they did that with. <laughs> <laughs> These two brothers walking up stormtroopers walking behind them. <laughs> However, Euphemius was only the figurehead of the Amir's yeah. uh, invasion here. So the invasion continues. It takes a good hundred years or so until eventually the whole island is taken. Eventually Syracuse does fall, um, and oh. yeah, it, it falls to the caliphate to the island, but um, not immediately, but it's that's started now. Michael, meanwhile, is too busy being dead to care. <laughs> yeah, because he became ill. Perhaps dysentery, we're not entirely sure. Uh, he, he died in bed, surrounded by his family, which is quite impressive. That's very impressive yeah. for an emperor. First emperor to do so since Leo IV. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, not bad. So there you go, that's Michael. Interesting. Most of the episode was about Thomas. <laughs> yeah, it's the... It's, fight between Thomas and Michael, civil war. Many Thomas, though. Yeah, uh, interestingly, we have more information on what Thomas got up to during the civil war than Michael. But Michael just stayed in the capital defending. Well, yeah, he was. So there's only so much you can write about him pacing the, the walls. That's true, <laughs> yeah. Not blaming you. Fightius Maximus. Fightius Maximus. And remember, Michael, not Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> so he rose through the ranks under Badani's. Yeah, like everybody else. Yeah. He oversaw troops for Leo. Yeah. Uh, he may well have been involved, probably was, in the fight against Crom. Yeah. He then fought a huge civil war. I mean, this is one of the biggest civil wars in later Roman history. This is essentially the whole empire in roughly two equal groups fighting against each other. Have we seen a civil war that big before? As in that evenly split? That evenly split? Oh, that's a good question. We've seen a three-way. <laughs> well, we've seen three ways, four ways, five ways. I mean, we've, it's... <laughs> but a, a, a double like that is quite... One-on-one, -on -one, two roughly equal sides. Mm. Uh, off the top of my head, no. Mm. But I'm probably going to be corrected by many comments <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm just going to say with confidence, no, we have never seen a civil war like this before. That's impressive. Though. Yeah, it is. Um, like you're literally fighting it at the half of your empire. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that that's good. Yeah. So, yeah, he managed to beat back that large siege. Admittedly, it was because the Bulgars came and saved the day, but he was probably the reason why the Bulgars came and saved the day. It was part of his planning. Uh, then he sieged his foe and won that siege. He turned the tables. Yeah, we did. did. Uh, so that's that's pretty good. I mean, hmm. personal fighting and then big scale battles. Oh, also, uh, he became emperor by manipulating people. Yeah, yeah. I might say that's more successless. Yeah. Um, but uh, bad. He did lose Crete and Sicily. He won them partly back, though. He won. He won Sicily back in his lifetime. No. Sicily's oh. just been chipped away at slowly. Oh, okay. And uh, Crete, he almost got back, but everyone got drunk. <laughs> and then they died. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. And the, the Cretans just killed them all. <laughs> right, so, I mean, there's definitely some positives here. There's also a couple of reasons to knock some points off. I'd give a healthy six, I think. I'm going higher. I'm, I'm, I'm debating between Ooh. seven and eight. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking of going the high, but I thought you'd judge me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't want to go to eight because that seems like more that massive is... victory and stuff. Don't forget, he did do the trick on the wall where um, he, he convinced Thomas's troops that he was going to give in, and then he sent some people out. That's some nice detail there. Yeah. But he did fall for Thomas's uh, feigned retreat and got very lucky that the feigned retreat turned into a real retreat. <laughs> I'm going to say a six. I don't think there's quite enough. He did impressive things, and that's why he's getting the six. But like to get within the next four, it's sort of like his army would need to destroy the caliphate or destroy it you know really quickly sort of thing and be really efficient with it and be i I think six is definitely too low i'm putting six i think i'm thinking seven but because your six is so no don't you can't do that you can't do that (laughs) fine i'll go for seven (laughs) nothing much seems to stand out other than the nun thing yeah he did marry a nun uh, and threatened people with violence <laughs> so he could do it. I mean, that's got to be worth a point. Yeah. I mean, if this was the Rex Factor, that's sex with nuns, which is Ali's favourite thing to do. What? To score in in what? Scandal. <laughs> to score in Scandal rounds. Ah, OK. Just to clarify, of course. Um, <laughs> Slander. None for libels. But... Uh, in our series, I don't think that's worthy of huge points. No. I'd definitely pick up a couple for that. He did plot to and then succeed in killing an emperor. That's pretty good. Is that crazy? That's definitely a program. You've killed an emperor. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. <laughs> and, come on, someone's got to be getting points for that death. And the person who ordered it to happen... Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but he didn't, he didn't have the details, though. It was just... Undead. No, so I'm not going to give him a huge amount. Yeah. Maybe a bonus point for that as well. He, he put the pressure on. He did chop Thomas's hands and feet off. And let him just die, you know. Yeah, whilst questioning him about uh, what he knows. I mean, that's a bit gruesome. We've not seen double amputation before. No. No, so that's got to be worth a couple as well. So, and nothing huge, but he's got a couple of uh, small pointy things. That sounds weird. <laughs> uh, for good saying, he was an iconoclast, but did not go down the whole persecution road. So, I mean, that, that shows that he wasn't crazy. He didn't want the icons, but that was just to keep the peace. It wasn't... Exactly. So I wouldn't call him an iconoclast. I'll just call him a... A status quo-a-class. Yes. <laughs> no, a status quo-a-file. Yes. Yeah. I can't give him a huge amount. I'm thinking three or four. Um, I'm thinking two. Yeah. Um... I'm going to go for three. It's five. Successes Ultimus! There's a lot to say about him, because there's the story of the Civil War, but not actually much to go on in this round when you dive into it. Most of his rule was fighting that Civil War, uh, which yeah. he won. But apart from that, we have very little details on what else he did. Uh, he apparently managed to build up Rome's strength fairly well after the Civil War, which uh, does well for the Empire at a future date, but that's not really now. So, I mean, he didn't let things to go to rack and ruin after no. the Civil War. So there is that. That's the same as so many emperors, though, isn't it? So we have yeah. to score low, unfortunately for him. I'm going to give him a four for successfully navigating the country through a Civil War. But I'm not going to give him huge points because that's more fighty. But keeping the country together afterwards, that's why I'm giving him as four. I give him five because I think. Oh no, I'll give him four as well because he didn't quite keep the status quo because he lost two islands. Exactly, that's why I'm giving him four. Yes, eight. Image of Well, if you can believe this coin, 
identical <laughs> to uh, Leo. Um, apparently this is a coin of him, but it's in such a similar style that it just looks like Leo's coin. I think they all like this, don't they? Yeah, point. we're not seeing much variation. Got his tongue sticking out again. Yeah, um, he's holding beard. a cross. He's got a beard. Full beard. Beard and long hair. This is so similar to Leo's. Um, I'm going to say he deserves the same points as Leo. I agree, and because we know Leo scored six, six, really? Oh, we divide it, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, he's going to score a total of three in this round. How long does he last? So I had his like a few years, but when you say months, just prepare for a war, like many, many sieges lasted months, I'm guessing like eight years, nine years, ten years, eleven, something like that. 820 to 829. Ooh! Nine years. Not bad. Not great. That is a score of 1.13 for Tempo Completo. That's a total score of 30.13. That's surprisingly good for this time in, in, in the Empire. That's, That's what it's going Not through. bad. Did he beat Leo? He didn't beat Leo. That doesn't surprise Leo me. Leo got 35.88. Uh, Thomas got zero because he's not an emperor. Yes. Um, so between the three friends, and that's the end of the story of the three friends, Leo was the best. Yay. Thomas was the worst. Yeah, <laughs> of course he was. Yeah. Okay. But does he have it? Do they have a certain Caesar? No. No, I'm not feeling that either. I'd need a bit more information about him. I quite like the story of the Civil War, but I, I actually prefer Thomas to Michael. Yeah. Yeah. You got the Paul Boy story yeah. and all sorts. All that real stuff. Yeah. Um Michael, I mean he, he knew he knew his animals. I, to be fair, he could have taken advantage of that like animal army. Yeah. Send out the pigeons. <laughs> exactly. Sort of That's what he should have done. But he didn't. So no, I'm gonna say no. I'm so that is no a well. no for this week. And that draws us to the end of this episode. Uh, don't forget you can download some Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you for downloading us. Yeah. Because <gasps> by the time you listen to this, we probably will have a million downloads. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. We're not quite there yet, but we are so close. So by the time we release this episode... We're about 1,700 away from it. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be long. So... Uh. A million, Jamie. Can you imagine it? No, that's a, a million. big number. If you get, like, imagine ten sheep in a field. Oh, yeah. And then times that by a million, and then divide by ten. <laughs> <laughs> that's how many downloads we've got. Oh, I can imagine it now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you for downloading us and listening to us. Right, okay. All that needs to be said, then, is that horse looks like a coward. Yellow-bedded fool. Nay. Goodbye. Goodbye. And you, Thomas, as a catching you here like the dog you are. Do you have anything more to say? Well, I have one thing I, to ask you. No, no, I really think we should kill him, Emperor. Hex Hexabulosium. I'm sorry, but I must speak. I've been quiet so far. Um, he's a traitor. He must die like the dog he is. I, I will gladly kill him. I will slit his throat right now. Hold yourself. Be calm, Hexabulos. For I have a question for him. Who else works with you? Who else works against me to destroy the Empire? But, but I'm, I really must, really must say this quite urgently, Emperor. Um, 
He is clearly an enemy, and obviously we can't take his word if he's saying things about your friends. How would that look? What he say may be true. So, Thomas. What's that? R- oh, he just said he doesn't know. I just heard him. He was whimpering at the I time. I didn't hear anything. No, I did, it's heard it quite clearly. Uh, well, not clearly, but it was quiet, but clear. Um, uh, he said, no, it was uh, Jeff. He said Jeff, and um, that's it. That's all he said. Kill Jeff! Okay, oh. that, that happened. Right. Um, okay. Anyone else, Thomas? Speak to me. There is one other. Who? Who, Thomas? Who? What one other? You mean Jeff knew? Yes. There is one more traitor who is in your sight. Who stands next to you. But... Get off him. Let him speak. I can't hear anybody. What's that? You you don't know what you're saying. Hex on your houses, he's saying. The The traitorous scum. Get off off him, you brute. Oh, oh, that's it. Counting down. And slowly away. Slowly away. Oh, good. Hex on your houses.